Hello and welcome to the Tech Lunch Podcast, where we encourage our listeners to learn something new about tech every week. This can range from learning about new and exciting applications to the advancements in coding and technology. If you are always learning, you will always be a step above the rest. Take the time during lunch or during a break to listen and learn, kind of like a lunch and learn, but for the years. This podcast will open the listeners' ears to new and exciting technologies they may have not been purviewed to in the past. These topics will range from manufacturing technologies to data collection technologies and everything in between. Hello, I'm Nick. Hey, I'm John. Hey, I'm Ed. And you know, this week we're going to you know stick with our uh, 3D printing topic. And we're going to you know, kind of continue down the path of you know, how you go from a beginner where you, know, you just bought your printer to where you've kind of bought some software and some hardware and stuff like that a little along with it, new computer or whatnot to play with your slicers. But, um, you know, now we're kind of getting into where, you know, the rubber meets the road, I guess you could say, where we start thinking about, um, you know, where do I go from here? If I make a mistake and stuff like that, how do I improve the quality of the topic of the, um, uh, the printer? And, you know, this week we're going to kind of focus on, you know, 3D printing quality and, you know, how we can go from a failed print to a good print and then an even better print. And then a better, better print after that, I guess you could say, you know, so, you know, John, when I'm, when I'm th- when we're thinking about, you know, the, you know, the quality of a 3d printer where you go from what is considered a failed print, if things aren't, you know, kind of in line to what you want to a successful print, right. you know, what, what do you kind of think about when we're thinking about that? Right. Yeah. So, uh, for me, when I think quality, um, I'm I'm looking for certain certain characteristics of the final product. Um, uh, also looking at you know how that plastic or w- whatever filament you ended up using how ha- how it ended up laying down. That's that's kind of a different topic. But but I'm looking at uh, am I getting layer shifts? Can I very clearly tell that this layer has shifted a millimeter point? Or, or, or even smaller than that, or maybe even bigger than that. Um, do I have under extrusion? Do I have over extrusion? Uh, is, is it is there holes or gaps in my um, my structure? Is it is it rigid? Is it is it um, are all my pieces structurally what they're supposed to be dimensionally accurate? Um, that's I'm thinking quality on those sides. And then when we get into um, well, first off, you're gonna need to print it. So first off, you're gonna to need to try it. Give it a try and, and see what you got because um, you won't know where to go if you don't know where you need to start. Right. So that's step one. Is um, like honestly, I suggest low, like smaller prints. Like uh, Benchy is a great example, and there's a reason Benchy is the benchmark because it has your over overhangs. It's got your uh, your gaps, your holes. So like if I'm printing something and like five inches up, I need to put a hole for a screw or something like that. What if that screw hole is not circular and I mm-hmm. can't fit my screw in there anymore? That, that to me, would equate to a failed print. Um, to me, it then becomes uh, the thought process of, am I slicing it right? Not necessarily the printer, because uh, the printer's going to do what you ask it to. It's only, it's only as good as the operator at this point, unless you've integrated, you know, You've leveraged any uh, MQTT, any 
any MES system or anything reporting back to you so that you can kind of, or so that it can learn itself and how to address those things. So, so for me, I think immediately into, let me get this Benchy printed, or if it's not a Benchy and I can't even get that first layer down, you take it step, just let me print a single layer. Um, and then from there, you can actually see your under extrusion with if those lines are connecting or if, those, if that layer is fully fusing. Um, you can see um, any, you can see if your bed is not level, which honestly, that's probably your problem. Um, you can see, is the, the filament getting to temperature? So that's when, or is it getting too hot? So the, to me, when I think quality and those things, I get back to what we talked about in the couple, past couple weeks is, is what is your test print? Uh, what, what is your, where did you start? What is your benchmark? Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I think that that kind of thought process goes through, um, you know, the OT side as well as even the IT side is like, okay, well, let's compare against something that's already done or already working. Um, now, of course, that limits you in some of your innovation, but you need to start walking before you can run. So uh, as far as the quality goes, Ed, like, what are you immediately looking for in your prints? Or, or if, if you were to say, I want to buy this print, or I'm asking, I give you a file, I've modeled it, I need to rapidly test this prototype, um, what would you be looking for as far as the quality is concerned? Uh, I guess for me, the first thing would be scale and resolution. Uh, mm -hmm. What resolution uh, am I capable of achieving? And uh, what scale does that resolution need to be at? Um, uh, what material can uh, facilitate those two things? So, for example, if I need to print something that has to be to scale, uh, maybe not have the same strength as uh, um, steel, but be able mm -hmm. to be put in place so that I can uh, see if that that item or that thing or that widget that I made will fit there so that I can uh, determine if it's possible of repa replacing that, that thing or not would be something I would consider. But I think one of the, the biggest things for me is uh, um, first, like you said, if you're playing with it, you have to figure out your, your uh, parameters. Yeah, what, at what parameters give me what? Mm -hmm. What is the limitations of my printer? Mm -hmm. what, what range can it, if, if it cannot go above 300C, or if it cannot go above a certain temperature, then I'm limited in what I can do right. if I need to go over that, that range. Right. If uh, I need to uh, have a bigger bed or a bigger area, I need more than 300 by 300. Mm -hmm. How does that affect uh, what you print? I, I mean, you make a good point because uh, for me, I think um, there's a lot of people already doing um, like if I have a 200 millimeter by 200 millimeter, which is roughly about eight and eight and a half inches by eight and a half inches. Um, if I have that square um, build build surface, build area, um, you raise a good point. What happens if I have something bigger than that? What do I need to do? And you absolutely, you absolutely can slice those or cut those and print them in separate pieces. But then the added caveat of our topic is is what does that do to the quality? Mm -hmm. um, it's it's you're you're adding you're adding a point of failure there. Right. So I, I think you make a good point by that determines yeah. if you need a bigger bed. And if you think about it, 
you know, I, I'm one of those type of people that, you know, you live and you die by data. You know, it's just, you know, when you talk, start talking about, you know, 3D printers and stuff like that, you know, for me, it's repeatability. You know, it, it's the fact that I can hit that button, you know, a thousand times and tell a darn thing to print a thousand darn things. You know, I wanted to do the same thing a thousand times and not deviate from the common goal. You know, I want to have, you know, I want to be able to measure via my KPIs when I'm printing something, have I hit first time completion? You know, have I hit it, you know, first time quality? You know, have, have I taken all this data and kind of taken it all and thrown it into one spot? You know, and what do I have to back on that? You know, I know where I started and I know where I'm going. You know, it, it's like I want to be in the thing is, is that's why I think that, you know, once we start getting into, you know, higher level systems to be able to control this type of stuff. You know, you start to, you have to start thinking about, you know, is my system going to take care of my quality for me? You know, is it going to attract that? If I'm going to hit a button, I'm going to tell my printer that was a failed print, start over. You know, does it automatically record that and tell me that, okay, cool, I had one quality failure. You know, I had one nonconformity. You know, if you really want to use in the automotive standpoint, you're talking about nonconformities. You know, it does not meet the audit standpoint. You know, it's not considered first time complete. You know, it requires a rework to it and a little bit of extra you know, attention, you know, to what you want to do. You know, it may not be 100% complete from the rip. You know, we know that. You still have to do some finishing and stuff like that to get it kind of where you want. But the thing is, is if you have a first-time complete print where it is dimensionally accurate, where it is strong, it is, you know, to the standard that you want to print to, you're, you should be doing less and less post-process finishing at the end of it. So you're doing less rework on the end of a, on the end of a finish end of a print so you know that's just you know how i look at it because i look at the fact that you start talking about you know data you know data should be the common denominator when it comes down to quality tracking and also when you start talking about your kpi generation and stuff like that mm -hmm. especially if you're going to do this from a hobbyist standpoint to a major scale standpoint where you need to be able to track that stuff to see where your you know your your, your process versus waste is you know, and how you can get into that, you know, that, that 5S type of mentality, you know, and, and stuff like that, and the Lean Six Sigma methodology of, you know, how many times am I going to fail before I pass? You know, stuff like that, you start digging into that. Yeah, I, I, I agree, and I think that that is a good good way to kind of step into automation, um, or, or if it's not automation, I mean, some type of, we've talked about it before, machine learning, I think. I think that it's it should be possible for your printer to scan an area and understand what's in there. Um, now I don't I don't know if that's anything that's you know, currently happening, but it should also be able to um, kind of adjust the quality based on that. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it before, adjusting like the flow. Um, but that kind of gets that gets into another uh, topic or sorry uh, point uh, that I wanted to kind of bring up as far as the quality goes is we've kind of not really harped on it is. Not every brand of uh, like PLA filament is made the same. Not every brand of PETG is made the same either. So honestly, you could be flawed from the start. If you have some cheap, and honestly, I said this the other day about one of my prints. I was printing one of those dragons. I said, this is the cheapest uh, PETG I've ever had. And then I printed a couple more things, and it was the smoothest prints that I had ever seen. I had just never given it the chance. And I, it was after I adjusted some and tinkered some settings in my slicer, um, you know, things like, uh, what is my retraction speed? What is my, um, I know it sounds funny, de-retraction and then extrusion, 
technically could be the same, but they kind of have different caveats on when the when the nozzles are moving or, or, or extruding at the same time. So it's kind of two different things. But uh, w when I'm doing like, let's say, uh, for example, when we talk about the high level things like a time lapse, mm -hmm. um, if I'm time lapsing this thing and I want the nozzle to move out of my picture so I can take a picture once that layer's done and I want to take a picture every time a single layer's done, then I need to, keep, number one, what happens about my nozzle? Is that temperature going to maintain? Mm -hmm. And if your temperature's maintained, there's going to be some leakage. So where's, is there a purge that you need to do? Like, and then that, that's when we start adding some of these things where we're trying to add these features. Yeah. We're working with this filament that may not be the perfect filament or we haven't really worked with, but we don't know exactly what's going to happen. And that's why I, the, the massive data analytics is very important in that piece too because I've done the time lapse with several different filaments and some of them I've adjusted the, the retraction speed and some of them I have no retraction. So it's, it, and they, they come out with different varying like levels of, you know, let's say quality. Um, for me, nothing's ever perfect, but to me it's, it's, it's more of trying to increase your quality at any given point. Like, hey, this sphere didn't print out as a sphere. I need to like figure out why my supports are so trash or am I using too much filament on mm. the support versus the actual structure? Is there too many points of contact, which is creating more of a gritty feel um, but that, that, that goes into massive, massively leveraging your data that you're getting into your system while also thinking about the quality of the filament that you're putting in there. So for me personally, there's like maybe five or six filaments that I'm like, this is, this is money every single time. I, I don't even have to like mess with my settings. I've even added like set, set configuration INI files in my slicer that will be like okay so this is when you use um 3d solutech uh this is when you use atomic filament this is when you use um sunlu or this or that um but honestly it needs to be that side and and you won't know that either without using it so many times but when it gets into that it, it's it's definitely where you can judge um not only the quality as far as the appearance, mm -hmm. but the quality as far as, is it um, dimensionally accurate? Is my infill, um, is it fully like uh, filling this? Is it doing the 20% I wanted? Is it doing the 10% I wanted? Um, and, and is that structurally sound? If I finish to print at 5% infill and the sidewall cracks, you know exactly, maybe I should do 10. But yeah. you won't know that until you get in there and get your hands dirty and kind of kind of roll around in it. Now, we talk about the inputs, and, and I know we've kind of not even talked about additive manufacturing in a while, but I, I kind of wanted to also pivot into another idea that, that Ed actually brought up. I mean, I'm not as well-versed on the resin side of things, um, but there's... there's uh, one thing that we've been thinking about and we've actually been like he brought an idea that kind of flipped our thought process upside down instead of thinking about we're making the 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 model what about we're making the mold and then you use your material or um i don't think it would work with anything molten metal to be honest with you at this point mm. but but who says we can't get there right you already um, print with metal anyway yeah, so exactly. my, as long as one metal can withstand the heat the other one can so yeah. you, you could take that model and make a clay model. No. And then yeah. the clay model you could take and pour the molded 
yeah. put ah. metal into. That's normally what they do with castings. They'll, okay. You talking about like removable casting and stuff like that? So basically, where you pour in and balls out the old stuff. Yeah, basically, like with with uh, wax, mm. you can do it with wax, mm-hmm. or you could do it with. So wax would be a lower temperature material, and say like uh, molten aluminum would be with sand, or okay. something like that that can absorb some of the heat, but it would fill the uh, cavities, and then you just break the sand as it solidifies, and then you get the uh, molten metal. That's normally how they mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and that clay mold or that sand mold would be that's a one-time use. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then you could still reuse your resin mold to make to ma- to remake that mold. Yeah. So like, uh, for me, one of the one of the biggest reasons that I do some of my upgrades is I want to print the material that's going to be more durable as well. Your nylons, ABS, like things like that. I, that's what I'm going towards the carbon fiber pet G's. And some of these other materials that we've talked about that are more either abrasive or have just just ridiculously high temperatures of me- like melting points, um, that's that's what I'm building towards. And and to me, that's also quality. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the a lot of the um, the pieces or parts that are kind of distributed, mostly nylon. If if it's like working pieces, like your your pry your pry bits or, or anything yeah. like that, and how many of those things do you feel like you use on a daily basis in maintenance? How many do you see those things like flying around? Yeah, I see them laying around in everybody's yeah. toolkit, and and it's it's now a useful bearings. yeah useful utility tool, uh, but we can kind of pivot from just not just thinking about your quality prints too, to thinking about how you can increase the quality of anything that you're doing as far as like I can make a speed square that that'll you know hopefully your dimensions are accurate and you've done those other tests mm-hmm. but you can make a speed square level measure your stuff make your table uh, yeah. I'll tell you one thing if it's not dimensionally accurate house will be crooked yeah yeah um so you know there could be a <laughs> a, a possible cause and effect you know our house was crooked when we started <laughs> well it depends on what state you're in yeah, um true. you know and how many earthquakes you get while you're in the middle of building it then you know damn things gonna start right you know but hell yeah well nowadays we'll just oh, 3d print the darn thing <laughs> yeah, exactly. you just like thought but the house may be crooked <laughs> the roof may be kind of cockeyed right? but you yeah, just created like a whole square. new thought process is <laughs> like uh, impact readiness too of of these things because they're yeah. 3d printing the houses so how well depending on where you're printing if i'm 3d printing a house and I wanted the quality to withstand a, an earthquake. Yeah. There you go. There's seismic quality. sensors there, and stuff yeah. like that. Or a tornado. Concrete. Like that's that's a thing too. Like that's yeah. the all quality kind of rules a lot of things because like for me, I wouldn't want to give make something for somebody if I wouldn't accept that. You know, if, if you think about it, it's like the, the you know the squishy um, filament. Yeah. Oh, TPU. Know, TPU. That's considered impact rated. If you think about it, that's able to take an impact. Yeah, and you can use that as you know you, what is it the um uh the 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 the, the square foam remember those the hollow square foam that's they look like um um lines like they look like a T so there are a bunch of boxes mm-hmm. it's a square foam you can print that with TPU and use that as packing material for something you're getting ready to ship. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I get it. kind of looks yeah. like... Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. A, it's, what is it, the accordion foam or something? Yeah, it kind of looks like the sound yeah, but, foam that yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, but it's like empty hollow squares. Yeah. You know, but if you think about it, you can use that. If you print a, a sheet of that on a 3D printer, you can yeah. wrap that in your... 
and you're printing that before you ship it to somebody, you keep the quality the same when you're printing it. Yeah. However, that's still impact that that's still impact resistant. Yeah. Because it's got a it's got a reflex to it. Right. You're right. Yeah, and it's a bit and it melts at a bit higher temperature too. So TPU is kind of the, the problem child, I would say though, <laughs> for me, because it adds some caveats to my print that I never really had to deal with before. Uh, stickiness. Oh. The the it was that. it was stuck to everything and it elasticity. Was, yeah, it was it was um, even when I pulled it out of it was Overture I think was the brand I got and I was I've never tried TPU before this is my first shot at it it was it was like a string it, it wasn't like a set like firm rigid. Um, filament it was it was stretch I could actually pull it and it was strange to me because in my mind if you're using an extruder which is a gear that will kind of has teeth that the gear has teeth and kind of grabs the the filament and pulls it through how are you pulling this TPU you're just stretching it to me honestly it took a little bit of tinkering and loosening up some things but it ended up working it's um, yeah it's painful but but like TPU is a wonderful, wonderful substance, like wonderful um, filament to use mm -hmm. for the, the printer because like even even my brother Jason, he's got <laughs> he's got him as like gaskets in in his uh, project car the S uh, the S fourteen he's got yeah. it's on it's on the radiator just hold, holding it in place it's not you know an actual moving part but it's absorbing that. Impact. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it, you know, when when you when you have to be cheap, buy a three D printer. Yeah. Darn thing for everything. Yeah. You know. Three D print a car if I could. Now I'll, I'll tell you one thing: if I start seeing people <laughs> walk around with like three D printed helmets, I'm gonna start looking at you kind of funny. Oh, yeah. uh, they're going to space. Yeah, that yeah, <laughs> SpaceX. <laughs> SpaceX is making them already. You know, but I don't really think at that point you really need to be worried about impact rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If there's impact, it, it, it's there to hold in the oxygen. Yeah, I don't think you're making it anymore. <laughs> you know, impact so, rated, oh, maybe actually, not so much. <laughs> you, actually, you actually raise a good point, too. Uh, when you said um, it needs to hold the oxygen. Um, uh, what about you know, vacuum, the, the integrity of if you have a closed system, mm. is it can you vacuum seal it? Yeah, like a vacuum fork. Um, honestly, that's, that's something that I haven't tried and now I want to. Because I want to know, like, at what point is that pressure too strong where it's going to, you know, implode or like right? You know, it's like on you know, we were talking about it earlier. You know, and Eddie might be able to, you know, think about this one for a minute. You know, if you three D printed your, your your forms and stuff like that, you start doing vacuum forming. Yeah. You know, vacuum forming with resin, you know, to pull the air bubbles out, prevent any type of, you know, heat resistance. I guess you could say. You know, it's just that's something that I think you know, in in the world of manufacturing, would be a game changer. Yeah, I think that the big the big thing for when we say manufacturing, and we say small scale, or we saying what we what we know today. Yeah. Large, large scale manufacturing, but large even, scale, even replacement parts. If you think about it, yeah, vacuum forming replacement parts would be great. I mean, it, 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 that would work because the, for me, the idea would be right now. Uh, one of the biggest uh, aftermarket parts for automotive that they do in in the in the plant is bumpers. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That they sell bumper sets to collision and repair. If you were able to uh, take that from being injection molding and make it to where you could three D print it, but three D print it in a reasonable time. Yeah. If that's the issue with three D printing, or maybe it's something you do with resin printing on a bigger on a bigger scale. Right. Yeah. 
maybe with resin printing, you can do it on a bigger scale, and maybe you incorporate some uh, heating process that um, makes it structurally sound. That right. that that would be my question. Yeah. But I definitely think it's possible. Yeah. You know, is it is it twenty twenty two possible? Yeah. yeah, in my head, but maybe it's more like twenty twenty five possible. Yeah. Think yeah. about a reason press form or using press forming for um uh you know carbon fiber now. Using three D printed molds mm -hmm. and stuff like that. You know, they're taking they're using these things and building like the gear covers for Ducati race bikes, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. It's some of these small, these small teams and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Your sprocket covers, you know, stuff like that. You know, your transmission covers and whatnot, because you know Ducatis, you're a dry sump versus wet sump, you know, type of thing. So it depends on what you're dealing with. But if you think about it, you know, all that is done just with a 3D print, a little bit of resin, and some carbon fiber, and a press. Well, you know, he was talking about flexible. What about the uh, the uh, mouthpieces they use for teeth straightening? Ah. That would be perfect if you could make it food so, safe. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, you, you you touched on the topic because that was the next thing I wanted to chat with was like, because we talked about is something going to be, um, you know, vacuum sealed. At this point now, it's like, okay, I want to print a bowl. Can I can I put this bowl in the microwave? Can I put it in my dishwasher? Like, can I eat out of it even? Uh, those are real questions that, that um, have been asked and actually like um, most people haven't really tried it but there we, we looked it up yeah. uh nick found several filaments that are you know um, fda approved yeah fda approved microwave safe not all of them of course mm, yeah because uh, like fundamentally that's what we're doing to make the print so <laughs> that's yeah. how you undo the print yeah. <laughs> well so. you know it's i don't know if how many people you know want to get married and say hey guess what we're gonna go get um uh plates and bowls I no I, I got a i got a 3d printer we'll be here a while <laughs> Don't worry. You know, we're, we're going to get takeout for the next month. Don't you know, worry. why I'm making a freaking, you know, why I'm making an entire dinnerware set out of black freaking PLA. Like, I don't want to do dishes anymore. <laughs> I'll just print the next one. Well, right. <laughs> exactly. Would well, that be considered a, a disposable plate? Oh, see? <laughs> that's actually, that's a gray area right there. <laughs> I, I, I would say this. If you can reuse it and grind it down. Yeah, and some of those PLA, PLAs were biodegradable too. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Cardboard. Uh, I would say the thing when we're talking about quality, when we say quality, like you said, it's not like how durable it is or uh, how long will it last. Sometimes quality means, hey, what was the impact of making this thing? Right, exactly. How did it improve okay. the quality yeah. of life of somebody yeah. else? Mm -hmm. So what if you were able to 3D print, you know, it's not there now, mm -hmm. artificial heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What if you were able to... 3D print an artificial kidney. Yeah. Artificial lungs. You no, know, it, it hadn't been, I don't think it's been done. No. I don't know the feasibility of it, but scientists would be able to take these things and print them and, and run uh, fluids through them that simulate um, human blood and, and see how they actually work yeah. and see if it's something that's possible. And think about think about how you can yeah. use that. If, you ha if, you're, if your quality of your print is you know, dimensionally accurate, um, and usability accurate, we'll say, you know, pretty much. How well you can use that type of stuff if you're talking about, like, in medical school. Yeah. You know, that, that you know, you can play with it and stuff like that. Hell, if you use TPU, you can actually, you know, sew it back together. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, it'll give you that ability, mm-hmm. um, you know, and whatnot. But, you know, if you start thinking about it, you know, if, if you start doing that, then you start getting, like, the engineering standpoint. It, you know, if the quality of a, of a bridge print is correct, I can test my shear forces and my, and my load forces well before I build the thing on, you know, over a, uh, you know, a canyon. And next thing you know, it, the, the latest, you know, Pinto goes through and fall through. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll tell me ahead of time, well before that, if it'll hold the five pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, you know, I don't need somebody with a, you know, smart for two driving through there, falling through the bridge when I could mm-hmm. print it and throw it between two blocks and freaking test it that way. It's true. Yeah. With a couple of weights on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and I agree with, with the point that you made earlier, Ed, about, um, the time, time to completion, I would say, um, we talked about first time completion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want it to finish the first time because if you have to do it again, it adds, you know, you double in your time effectively. Uh, but how do we decrease that initial time? Um, those, those kind of pieces are not really, um, I want to say like strictly you adjust this knob or this setting or this, it's, it's kind of a combination of things. Um, and and you kind of get deep into the firmware with that. Uh, and we'll kind of get into the firmware of, you know, a 3d printer at some point, um, because that's, that's a whole nother Mm -hmm. box that we need to kind of open. Um, but you you can, you can kind of adjust those things where it's let's say um i'm tired of you overlapping your path like why are you doing extra work why am i doing you know quadrant one up here in the top left corner and then doing quadrant two in the bottom right corner to go back to quadrant one and finish what i was doing then go to quadrant like it it, it doesn't make any sense uh, in some of them and and honestly in some of these slicers you can see the path that it takes and in the octopi you can Mm -hmm. actually um move with the levels or the layers and see the actual movement of what the nozzle is going to do. So you can see, hey, I don't like how many times this crosses its own path. Because then if you have any issues with what we talked about before with um, over-extrusion or under-extrusion, if it's under-extrusion, you're going to take some of that with you. Because it's hot and it doesn't have the filament to dissipate the heat because it's not getting the filament right. it needs or, or you're too close. Mm-hmm. Those so are the two reasons that would happen. It, here's here's an idea that, it's, it's two ideas, really short, that we're going to let Nick um, elaborate. Um, so one idea is what do we use when we re-enter the Earth's atmosphere from space? Ceramics, right? Mm-hmm. So why haven't we leveraged not a ceramic coated tip, a actual ceramic tip? Right. Mm-hmm. You start dealing at that point, you start dealing with, you know, an ablative, you know, services and stuff like that. Um, you know, if you think about it, that it, it's like, you know, we just recently saw um, Boeing, uh, the, the Dreamliner, uh, you know, come back from the International Space Station after, after the OF-2 flight. Um, you know, they have an ablative um, heat shield. So as they come through the Earth's atmosphere, the actual um, uh, heat shields will actually ablate. So they turn into a, into a gas, you know, I know we're kind of going over time here, but it turns to a, it, it, it turns into a gas. So the only, so the, so the thing is, so it creates a bubble, mm-hmm. you know, around a spacecraft and, you know, on the sides of the spacecraft, it's only at 300 degrees, you know, however, underneath it is 3,800 degrees mm-hmm. while the inside of the capsule is still nice balmy 78, mm-hmm. you I know, mean. and a bunch of people plugged into an AC in it. You know, it, it's it, it's one of those things. But, you know, they've actually, over the years, have actually taken some of the ablative technology and stuff like that and actually 3D printed heat shields. 
you know, as tests, and it's actually, you know, worked pretty well. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something that's that's out there. I, I just think if someone was able to leverage a ceramic tip. Yeah, the that, tip stuff, yeah, definitely. That, that was, well, the, here's, here's the reason. It's two reasons. If I was able to uh-huh. electrically change the properties of a tip to to work differently at different temperatures. So effectively, I could make this tip be at a certain temperature, which would help with the with the uh, solidification of the film, mm-hmm. or would keep it in there. Yeah. So it wouldn't allow it to drill, because that's that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Going across, if yeah. if I'm doing a circle, mm-hmm. you will probably never have a problem doing a circle. Mm-hmm. Just keep going in a circle with a three D printer. If I'm doing some shape that's hollow. I'm going to have limited problems, mm-hmm. depending on how I go. Yeah. However, if I have a shape that has depth to it, you know, it's three three dimensional, then you run into problems. But I just want to pose the last question because we're sorry for running over. Just just pose the last question. Here, here's the last question: What if we were able to control? If I can't control the tip. What if I can engineer a filament that could be controlled by temperature? And what I mean by temperature, it responds to different temperatures in different ways in the way that it's it liquefies. Okay. So I don't have to have a TPM. I can make one filament that I can control by temperature to be any type of filament. Not... So not glass, not wood, not metal, mm-hmm. just flexible and solid. That's not like a silly putty like that. Or, or back to the uh, cornstarch. You need to like back, make a new, uh, yeah, cornstarch. Back, back to the cornstarch. Yeah. Both solid and liquid. Yeah, non-Newtonian fluid is, is, is pretty much what you're looking for. And it's 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 something that... They got a silly putty like that too, yeah. It behaves in two different phases of, you know, matter. I, honestly, I, there's, there's filament that's... Um, color changing with temperature there's filaments that 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 um you know glow in the dark already so they're already doing and playing with some of those things i think that i think that that would probably be one of the biggest innovations in 3d printing if that were you know to come about so honestly maybe somebody listening has that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i'd be i'd be open to listening <laughs> a, 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 you know a filament controlled by current oh yeah there yeah. you go yeah. No, 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 yeah. Actually, you, you you bring up a good point, and and I don't want to continue too much further because there was one um there was one filament I was looking at the other day that is it, that is conductive. Yep. Um, and you can print your circuitry with it. So yep. that's something that I don't want to. I don't really. So I make a heat coil with it. No, no. You can print a. You can print a actual. No, no. I mean, I mean seriously. If you if you have it. No. Oh yeah, you could. Yes, you, you make a heat coil. Yes, you could. You, you know. could. Yeah. You would have to have the right. The, the, the right metals mm-hmm. because yeah. a heat coil is made up of special metals. Yeah. Right. Be electric forge. Yeah. Is what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, what it is. Electric forge. You could. I just yeah. got a little excited about that because I saw it on I saw it and it was, they were showing me that on the, on the internet. So yeah. <laughs> Anything with three D printing, I'm gonna look at it. So. so but, you know, I, I guess we'll we'll stop squirreling, you know, at the moment. <laughs> um but you know, I want to take the time and say thank you. You know, we, we've been doing a lot of research and seeing who's all who's all listening to us and, you know, what areas everybody's coming from. You know, we want to say thank you to everybody, you know, across the U.S. and, you know, globally in this, at this point. You know, we hope that, uh, you know, you, you continue to, um, uh, you know, enjoy the, the journey, you know, that, that we're going on, you know, as we, you know, go from subject to subject. We're kind of on our 3D printing elongated rant. 
at the moment. But, you know, we'll go back to some of the stuff we were talking to before between the IT and the OT stuff. And then, you know, we'll see where we're at from there. But, you know, we hope that you, you know, kind of stick with us through this journey and, you know, you know join us on, you know, the social channels and also on uh, YouTube and, you know, see where we go from there. You know, well, that's definitely in the in the description. And, you know, if anybody else comes up with anything, we'll add their stuff to the description too as long as they're with us. You know, but, um, you know, I'm going to I'll turn it over to Ed for our uh, our, our final closing words and our uh the, the charge of the week i guess we could say so uh i'll leave you with this thought uh man teach a machine that's when we know machine learning is working when i can show a machine how to play tic-tac-toe and not simply follow what i did and it can actually compete with me on that level it's there a little bit with ai but not machine learning uh and then the other thing i would like to say is we have not forgot about the $300 3D printer challenge. We have a few more uh, items to get. We are almost, the list is almost complete. Once we get the list complete, we'll uh, do a reveal, explain our mentality and why we did what we did. Uh, you may disagree with some of the things, but it's okay. Everybody do things different. And as always, we appreciate uh, you guys uh, sticking with us and uh, thank you for the support. Thank you for listening to the Tech at Lunch podcast, where we hope you learned something about tech during your break or during your lunchtime. If you did, please give us a follow to prevent missing future episodes. If you have any ideas or something you want to hear or learn about, please send us a show idea to podcast at Vulcanora.com. Hope you have a good rest of the day and continue learning.